0: Yeah, well, let me let me ask you this. I want to just go back. Let, let's look at this. Uh, w- w- uh, what you started with there. The uh, romantic comedy with the genie, because that's probably like, you know, the very you know smallest form of this whole thing at the beginning stages. So from the actor's perspective, how does this work? Is this from the audience side? Is it truly, you know, vote on choosing your own adventure or are the actors, uh, you know, pre-scripted and rehearsed on 10 different directions the show could go in? How does it how does it work? I just want the audience to understand from their perspective how it works. And then from the actor side
1: sure that that version of the show right or that version of a show was that the whole thing was scripted the actors had to know every every possibility but there were maybe only 15 choices in the show if i remember if i remember it's been a while but like but there weren't that many branches to the narrative that that were done it was still interesting and it was still a larger than average script but it was entirely manageable uh, because the, the brand the nodes what we call them now the nodes were 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 relatively easy to deal with um and the variations weren't so great and also you had this um you have this sense of track right so when I say there were three women that the audience it was about I don't know a quarter of the way through the show I think that that moment happened and then the show is on three tracks and for the guy, the tracks are pretty similar. And for the woman, you know, memorizing those choices, right, It's just based on their track. So it actually wasn't a monumental task to be able to do that. When Because that's a part of it when I say that I finally saw that someone had been able to successfully deploy this idea. That's also part of it, is that it was a manageable experience mm. for the app. So the- yeah yeah so then what so let's just what
0: happens um so let's say uh walk me through one point let's just use this show for an example then we'll move on to some more uh some stuff that you could do with Gamionics with the technology you have now but so you get to a certain point in the show and then what happens the audience votes and then basically the show kind of resets or how does it work
1: yeah, and in that version, in that version of the show, and I'd love to talk about Twenty Side Tavern how I uses it now, but we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, no, that, I
0: want, well, I want to, I want to definitely do that. I want to go from the early yeah. tech to where we are.
1: Well, so I had so this was just this was just conceptual. I had no tech in that show. My tech never ran that show. the educational polling software. So, so what would happen in that show is that the that it, and it was pretty simplistic, where the audience would make a choice and say. Say this line, this line, or this line, right? And the consequence would be a point system inside the show. So the no didn't, didn't change the narrative too dramatically in, from a structural standpoint. There were some, where do you want this couple to go on the date? Do they go to the restaurant? Do they go to the club? Do they go to this place? And then a scene would happen as a result of that. And and then if there was a choice inside that scene, it'd be related to the point system. So it was a fairly basic structure about moving through what you're what you call you know a choose your adventure style experience. Um but it but again it was a manageable way to be able to do that. And then the points would get tallied and then the ending would get decided. And the genie was always there to kind of help everybody along, right? To make sure that no one really got lost in the narrative. But they never did. Um, you know, again, it was a fairly manageable thing. So so you know what, but again, it was all it was all polling based for the audience right they would have a b or a b c choices and whatever the most votes would and that was the extent of the audience interaction was okay hey, here's a moment vote what do you guys want to do and and that was it it was just simple it was simple polling so that also was something that i wasn't terribly satisfied with because i felt there was if you're going to move it onto the phone you're going to move it into a web-based browser what we're planning on doing there has to be more that we can do which turned out to be very true
0: mm-hmm.
1: um um so yeah so i worked on that show i had i worked on that show like i had the option for a year but i really worked on it for about six months before the author and i just kind of really butted heads on the creative direction of the show um and 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 part of ways we're like how and so the next thing that i did was i had just opened pups in new york it was already a success it was going really well and i turned him up the team that wrote pups and i said all right, I've I started building this technology. I have this technology. I have a production opportunity in I think it was 15, 15 16, in early seventeen at the University of Florida um, at Tampa, and we, we said basically we said write a show. I mean, we pitched we pitched this we pitched the university to come in and say hey give us a production slot, which they did, and we said we'll deliver a show, and they're like can we see a script? We're like well it has not been written yet, but we'll get one to you, and then we went back to the team and said and, and we said. Um, all right, write a show. They wrote a show uh, that was a that was a western, um, and it, that was the first time that I'd seen. The, that was the first time we used the actual software, the actual Gameyeotics software, married to a show, and that that actually unveiled my first major problem, which was I had, which was because no one had ever really done this before, no one really knew what to do, and the the problem is that the software became a gimmick rather than a tool. I was going to ask you that. That's some, and that's something that we see in technology, you know, really frequently. In that, in that, if if it's not if it's not deployed correctly, if it's not used as a tool to advance the story, then it simply just becomes this gimmick that gets old after a while. Um, the other thing that happened in that show that I think that I think is kind of is kind of important because it's a, it's a problem that is still waiting to be solved. There's a, there's a way to solve it, but you had a, a female protagonist on stage. Who was this character? Who basically, you know, there's many. There are many iterations of that script over two and a half years, but but reductively, I'll say she she goes back to her hometown in Texas. It's the turn of the century to avenge her family, right? Who have all been murdered by an evil gang. That was basically the, the premise of this western. And and um um the, the the problem that we ran into for two and a half years is that the audience played the show as the protagonist right they made all of the decisions for this woman in her journey and mm-hmm. what we what we realized is that you can't actually create a character that way and that and that that there was no character that was actually being written it was an it was essentially it was an empty vessel for the audience and so you have this protagonist on stage that you're supposed to be following but she's not but she's ultimately not that interesting because there's no real character there
0: mm-hmm. and
1: and it was and that was that was part of the gimmick making of, of the gameiotics software was that it was just kind of thrown in to do fun things, but the show wasn't really, the show was way too linear, linearly constructed in order for it to be able to work. Um, um, so that, you know, some of the choices, and, that, and I spent two years learning this problem, which is some of the choices that you were making had no consequence. Like, it didn't matter. And and if you're at and, 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 and we see that in video, I mean we see that in video games a lot. I don't know how big of a video game are. And Many of your fans who played the Mass Effect series know exactly what I'm talking about when we get to the ending of Mass Effect 3, um, which is if your choices don't matter, what was the point? And and that that was a that was a really big stumbling block that that that, that team could never ever find their way out of. And so you had it, you and then that, that's where you have this idea that Game Addicts is being used as a gimmick rather than something that was really advancing the art firm, advancing the story, advancing the experience for the audience. So like I said, I worked on that two, two and a half years. um, And I did, last ditch in 2019, we did seven readings of the show over nine weeks to try and see if we could get this thing moving forward, see if we could learn learn about it. Um, And one of my... Partners from uh, Australia, a guy who I'd worked with in Australia, happened to be in New York. And he came and saw it. And he walked out of the show and he grabbed me and he said, "And he said, um here's the thing. He's like, you don't have a show. There's no show there. You have a platform. <laughs> Go focus on the platform." And I was like, re- "I'm like really." He's like, "You have a platform to build something. To get rid of the show, start over." And I was like, "You know, a hundred thousand dollars later, you're like, oh god." But you know, it, it, <laughs> yeah. none of that none of that time was wasted because he was right i mean he was a hundred percent right and i always credit him saying um that that he instantly saw what the opportunity was for us which was it wasn't it wasn't about the show like we needed to build the platform out first before and really understood the platform that we were working on before trying to put a show on top of it we were doing it all in the reverse order because we were mm-hmm. using the show to, to advance the technology and and that was the wrong way to go about it And i'm sure you've talked to the tech companies where you, know, you have a concept. You have a, you have a need. You have a want. You have something that is um um uh, wanting to be fulfilled, but you know the technology's got to be multifaceted. It's got to be able to grow and do a lot of different things than what your original intent of it is in order for it to become scalable. And you know I had approached this certainly from a creative standpoint of oh I have this Western that is shooter adventure in style that can that want you know that wants to do all this audience you want to do all these things. That you know, reference back to that very first show that I worked on, and truth to be told, I I shouldn't have done any of that. I should have actually just sat down and and built out the platform. And and luckily, that's what happened during COVID. Yeah.
0: So so you have Gameiotics focused on the software, and then you have Twenty Sided uh, Tavern, which is focused on your own uh, theatrical productions <laughs> connected to and utilizing the uh, Gameiotics software. Is that is that yeah, how it's so, set up? So, yeah.
1: So what happened um, was during the during the pandemic, when 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 March of, March of 2020 hit, March 13, 14, um, and library payments started shutting down, I remember um, I was trying to think, like, gosh, now what do I do? Right? Because all my money had disappeared. Everything had disappeared. Everything had just evaporated over. <laughs> like, everything just, yeah. like, a lot of founders went through that. Anyone who was raising in January to March can relate very deeply to, like, just one day everything stopped. Um, like. um, yeah it was tough it was, it was a tough time period and, and like I was I was starting to get prepared for it because the markets crashed the week before I mean just flat out crash. and and I would, had been calling investors and saying hey you know because what, what I was doing at that point was that I commissioned a new I was doing. I, made, I, was making, I was in the process of making the same mistake again which is I gathered a couple artists together I commissioned a new show I said this is what I want this is what I want you to do and they were all working on it and doing it exactly the wrong way in retrospect now no, that was, I was just simply making the same mistake all over again, and um, and so then the pandemic hit and all that evaporates. Those those creative ran off with my money um, and um, wasn't very much. So it was fine, but like those the that and so I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, we'll, let, let's think of let's let's problem solve our way out of this. What's happening right now? There's no live entertainment. All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to call my friends who are now all out of work all of a sudden. And we're going to build an online production company using Zoom as a platform. And we're going to use gameotics as the connectivity for audiences, no matter where they are, if they're at home, anywhere in the U.S. or in the world. And we're going to put on shows for them using gameotics. And and that started a period of insane work that technically has still not ended. But but it started a period of work where me and this wonderful group of people, some of whom I'm still working with right now, did 18-hour-long shows in 20 i'm sorry we did 20 hour long shows in 18 months all on the zoom platform every month um um, uh, basically what would happen is that we'd pitch ideas in week one we'd solidify it we'd write a narrative map we'd write a gaming map we'd write for two weeks we tech rehearse put it up because the actors never had to memorize anything they're all sitting at home in front of a camera and we did branching narratives we did murder mysteries we did escape rooms we did puzzle shows we did game shows um we did like all manner of these hour-long shows and built up an audience and a following for it. Um, and the thing that I was doing was saying, all right, can gameiotics service this content? Can it do branching narrative? Yeah, check that off list. Can it do murder mysteries? Yeah, check that off list. What about game shows? Yeah, and all along the way, we kept building more features in a gameotics because. It was one thing to have all my financing collapse, but I showed up three months later with a better idea, which is Mm. I went back to my investors. um, And if you remember the deal flow in 2020 into 21 was insane. And I went back to a group of investors and over the course of about 18 months, there was about a half million dollars into this new version of Gamey Audit, into this new company Mm. um, that was purely a software company. And we were using that development task to to test out the software in as many different places as we can. And I had engineers working for me Um, who would then, like, well, basically what would happen in the creative process is that the writers would say, hey, can the software do this? No. Can it? Well, let me go ask. Yes, you can have that in two weeks. Great. Go write for that. And we just kept doing that over and over and over again. And so then the software really advanced. I mean, we really moved into a whole new place with the software during that time period because I kept getting asked, I wanted to do more. I wanted to do this. I want to try this with it you know along along with my own ambitions um but also with um um with the with this group of writers that i was working with we had a ton of fun it was super hard and super stressful we had a ton of fun doing this um mm-hmm. um but then you know it was it was doom like it was zoom it was doom entertainment and and i i can't argue enough against it to be honest with you because that zoom entertainment is just not is not there yet <laughs>
0: no. if, if
1: that like you know well i mean i think we saw we saw during the pandemic that um that streaming entertainment didn't, I mean live streaming entertainment, right? I'm not talking about Netflix or Hulu or Disney, they, they're all fine. I'm talking like taking a live event and streaming it for people mm. didn't really take off in the entertainment spectrum outside of gaming. People yeah. still live stream giving mean, Twitch is enormous, right? But I'm talking about story-driven entertainment. Didn't like streaming, live streaming didn't work.
0: No, I saw a lot of uh, comedian friends of mine, as I used to be in that industry, bombing <laughs> live yeah. on live on Zoom in front of three people. So it was. Uh, yeah. I saw a lot of the corporate entertainment comedians who could make ten thousand dollars for a one-hour uh, comedy routine, cutting themselves down to two hundred and fifty dollars to go on Zoom and do comedy for a conference. So it was rough for a lot of people. But I want to ask you. So now, Gamionics. Yeah. I mean, looking at your website. So now you're. At least, uh, you know, marketing-wise, you're pushing out towards education, theater, sports, marketing, live events, museums, amusement parks. Are you in all those arenas yet, or is that something that you're hoping to grow the company towards?
1: Uh, we're, that's what we're growing the company towards right now. I mean, we're in live theatrical, obviously, um, and then and then I got I got my hands on a couple of other things right now. So so what I learned. Uh, over the course of the pandemic about my software was at its heart i was i it was a platform there's no question about that but what it did was that it's a two-way communication de- device between audience and content during the course of a live event that gives the audience agency either as an individual or as a group to be able to make decisions that affect and change the content that's happening in real time and that's what the, and that's what the software does um so We look at examples out in a lot of theater, but part of it is that it's a really it's a simple piece of software that you can turn any space or any experience into an audience driven experience. So when we look at the museum vertical, one of one of the things that I'm working on right now um, is being able to build um, a, a. a tour in a museum or, or what we would normally consider an audio-guided tour. Audio-guided tour is, is you know, you got to rent the, the hardware, you got to put the hardware on, you, and you got to input the buttons as you're going, and then, you know, and you go from place to place to place. And it's a one-way interactive, um, it, it's a linear passive experience is what it is. I mean, is it is interactive that you get to pick, that you punch in the number for the next thing, but you're on a fairly <laughs> linear uh, path. Right? In, in terms mm-hmm. of in ter- and, and your inputs don't change anything that's happening it doesn't change the journey really uh, what's going on so what cannyas can you ask to do is that it first off there's nothing to, it's on your phone you buy a QR code or you but you know you buy it you take it with a QR code on it and then you're and then you're into the software or you're, um right. um and and what it allows for is for you as content provider let's say let's say with the museum right I'm the Van Gogh exhibit Um okay to establish a conversation with the consumer and that conversation um is is determined by how the consumer answers the questions you're asking them um and so what and, and in that conversation the conversation can go and obviously there have to be bound there are boundaries to it the conversation can go many many different ways so do you want to you know learn about van gogh's sunflowers or you want to learn about a deer for a lack of a better example right now um And then that decision puts you on a journey, right? That then is also becomes multifaceted. And you go on an adventure, you go on a journey based on the input that you're putting in, based on the reactions that you are having the materials putting in front of you. And the the goal being is like, oh, once you finish it, you go back and do it again and you make different choices. You learn something else entirely. That you're able Mm -hmm. to take these ideas and instead of me telling you where to go, your choices determine where you go on this journey. And that's because that's the kind of experience I want to have a museum, right? That's what I want to do. It's like, I don't, I want to be able to have something that I'm interacting with, To have something that is, that is, that is changing to reflect the choices that I'm making and the experience that I'm having rather than here's the thing because the point of gameotics and it's the gamification of entertainment, the game, of, but the point is, is that what we're doing is that we're, we are, we're building a platform to be able to provide experiences for the next generation of experiences are dynamic. The next generation experiences are, are, are changing to reflect how it is that you are interfa- inter- interfacing with them. A, a really good example of, of, of something, and I used this as a marker uh, as I started to build a company years ago, was the one at Harry Potter world, of all things. right? That is an $80 piece of plastic with an RFID chip buried into it. It's a very lovely design. And it is the conversation that you have with the park. You have this wand, you go to these special points, you wave the wand. the RFID chip activates, and a thing happens, right? And that's magical. And that's something left there. It but it's not a conversation. It's very one way in terms of what it's doing. What I'm doing is I'm creating that concept of the wand, and you input, and then several different things could happen based on the choices that you've been making all along. And we're seeing it reflected in Star Wars now, um, Galaxy Quest at you know in Orlando, which is massively successful. I you know that, that two day very expensive event. But you're starting to see on the high end, you have these media companies who are developing more and more sophisticated interactive experiences. And all I'm doing is building software for everybody to be able to do this. Um, and that's that's the point of what can be honest is that you can. Build your own branching narrative. You can build your own dynamic experience wherever it is. If you want to build a walking tour of New York City that I, that is different every single time you do it, that's what Gamiox is being built is, is being built to do right now. So that's where the that's where the software has really evolved to. In that I'm doing group experiences, like I'm doing a 20 side tavern right now, which we'll, which we'll talk about, where the audience collectively is making decisions down to I want to go on a solo journey, just about me, or I want to go on a journey with just me and my five friends. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go on this thing together. That's 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 what this offer is being built to do.
0: That, that's interesting. And let me go back. We I mentioned to you before the show, my wife has been to uh, 47 countries, and uh, she had never gone to Broadway. I grew up 90 minutes from New York City, so grew up going to Broadway, seeing the Rockettes and such. So um, I said to her a uh, few months back, it was her birthday, I said, listen, the way this world is going towards the uh, metaverse, which we've talked about in, uh, extensively on this show to my audience, I said, uh, we better go to Broadway now, because God only knows what's going to happen in the next few years. My question for you is, do you think that this technology obviously serving, I'm 41, I would say people definitely younger than me. I was the last generation who grew up without the internet in my pocket, so I know what it's like to live without it. I can sit through a play without being distracted by my phone. Does this save, does your technology save live entertainment by adding this interactive element that maybe the younger generations will be interested in and get them back out into seats uh, from the theater side of things
1: well i i, I don't think that live inter, i don't think that live entertainment itself is in any danger i feel like especially coming through the two years of covid i think we know a hundred percent for sure now that at the end of the day humans still need to be connected to each other there's lots of us especially me, like i like being at home watching netflix no question about that. this guy worked in broadway for 20 years right like there's no question that exists, but you cannot replace gathering together as a community or gathering together as people. And, I, and COVID really hit that hit that nail on the head in, in that, oh, this is not very important. What I will say is how we do it is a constantly evolving form. I mean, musical theater in its current form, Broadway in its current form didn't really exist. The way it does today in the 1940s. Before that, it was vaudeville and reviews. a very different type of shows. Before that, it was opera, right? So there's mm-hmm. always been a live stage component. I mean, certainly going back centuries and centuries now. And the art form that how it is that we're we're consuming this entertainment is ever, is, is evolving every century. There's no question of like that. I think when you when we start talking about the metaverse, it's it the it, it, it's it's how I look at it's it's the same way that I look at um how um, video games were able to find an enormous amount of success going from I'm at my couch playing this game and it's me against the game to me and my friends are playing the shooter game together collectively to Fortnite. And so and so you have this, and I and I think what the Metavorse is doing is just is, is taking that next step from these large worlds, these large Fortnite worlds. And continuing to evolve that, I think what what Zuckerberg is is in whatever he's trying to put a pin on it, is saying, well, this is this isn't just going to be about gaming. This is going to be about inter- this is going to be about entertainment. It's like, okay, right. I'm like, yeah, I buy that. Like, yeah, no, I buy it. Like, fine, there's no, there's nothing wrong with that. The problem is um is what's ha- is what's happened in VR um um and and AR for that matter. Right. And everybody's like I I'm not I'm not a naysayer of either of these technologies in any way shape or form, but problem that VR has had, every, we've been hearing about the coming of VR for many, many, many years now. Oh, this is the future. And everybody, I'm sure you had the same experience that I do. The first time you put that VR headset on and you're wandering around, you're looking around, you're like, this is the, I see this. This is amazing. And then about six months later, you're like, what's that thing sitting in the corner? Because that's what happened to my VR head, headset now. And the reason <laughs> being is like.
0: It becomes there's, a gimmick.
1: There's, 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 Yeah, because the content's not there. The, the content simply is there so you have this you have meta making this bet of okay well, we're going to put all the money behind making this universe and making this thing well it's not they, they don't have they don't have enough money be, um, to be able to build all the content that's going to need to fit in that world my main issue with all of this right now is consumer adoption um and the problem and me and i say this as, a, as me as an individual like i have a vr headset but i have a I have the second version of it, right? Like it's it's perfectly fine. It works perfectly fine. I like playing, you know, um, the game with the that you wave the this the, the, the uh, light giver game with the music, right? Yeah, whatever, whatever that is. Like, but I'm a platform gamer too. Like I'm a, I have a Switch. I have a PS5. I'm sorry. I have a Switch. I have a PS4, and I have an Xbox. Like like I love I love platform games. I love co-op games uh, that I play with my husband. I Love playing with friends. Like all that stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm going to buy the next PS5. I'm gonna buy the PS5 next. That's the next thing I'm buying. I ain't spending another six hundred dollars. On on a on the next-gen VR headset, mm-hmm. because the five is going to be better. I want to play Horizon, right? So so like they're they're they're, you know, when when when. But sorry. The no, no, this is, is good. Is no, 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 this
0: is a great conversation because we're taking somebody who comes out of, you know, live entertainment out of production. This is fantastic. I love talking about technology and how it's affecting these industries. Myself, personally, as someone, like I said, that did not grow up as you did not with the Internet in our pockets, we know what it's like to live in a world without uh, technology um, and so you you struggling with it is it's fantastic to see because it's the love of the live entertainment and then figuring out how to merge it appropriately with technology i think not to have technology replace the entertainment and the real world experience
1: so if you look at the evolution of platform gaming because i because they're like netflix did a great you know things that made us theories about this and i had an atari as a kid um i love you know played frogger but you know the, the content on those early console games weren't that great. Not Fry, wasn't even Fryers? Like what were what they, they weren't they weren't that great. And what happened is is that that they, it shifted to the arcades. You remember malls? You remember malls? You're old enough to remember malls. Um, yes. When malls existed, they don't they care anymore But the arcade the arcade you know arcades at malls were huge, right? And the industry took tons and tons of money and put it into into building content for console uh, arcade consoles. Um, so, which I, like I, like now that's nostalgic, right? Now I'll go. There's a there's a place in New York called Barcade. Have you ever been to Barcade before? Yes, I have. Barcade yeah. is just oh, oh yeah, Barcade. I love Barcade. My favorite bar yeah. in New York. It's all video game clubs, old video game clubs. play all, It's like a total nostalgia trip, right? All, mm-hmm. all this money went into it, and then the Japanese brilliantly built the, the Nintendo box. But the mm-hmm. the most brilliant part of what they built it was Super Mario Brothers. And Super Mario Brothers wasn't originally available as, a, as an arcade game. You had to buy the Nintendo and then buy Super Mario Brothers. But they, but they like Microsoft at the time, opened up their platform for other developers to build and profit off of their platform, while them taking a hefty profit at the same time. And no one had ever constructed, a, like there wasn't anything out in the market. And Nintendo owned the platform gaming market for a decade. Right, that I mean, when we talk about first market advantage, when we talk about these things. What it comes down to with that that strategic move is like they had a platform that worked, that worked really well at home. Two people could play it together at the same time, and then they built Duck Hunt and Super Mario Brothers, which mm-hmm. were really good games, right? Like they yeah. really were. Um, and and then and and didn't look back. And then it took it took ten years for Sony. And for um, and uh, for Sony and for um, the other the other platform companies to be able to come in. Um, uh, and like my, my problem that I have with the Switch right now is like I'm not building enough content for the Switch. Mm-hmm. All I want to do is play my Switch all the time. But anyway, <laughs> it's not important. So so when so it's not just the platform, right? We're going back to this metaverse question. It's not just the platform; it's the content. You got to build content that that shows people that they can make money off of your platform. You've got to open the platform up in order to be uh, you know, an an economy, and and you know, that's the challenge that VR ran into. Is like the headsets work can't actually compete with the with the AAA games that are coming out for the PS5. They just simp- <laughs> they simply can't with the type of experience. They'll get and, and once they cross that bridge, there will be no looking back. Once a a headset game is better than I can play on my PS5, then uh, then I think we'll be talking. But who knows? Well, I, mean- I don't know when that day's coming.
0: Well, let me ask you this, too. As someone who's obviously done all the research into this as you've been building these companies and and uh, raising investment capital, do you see the day in, let's say, three years, five years, ten years, where people are going to put on – You know, a VR headset, as we're talking about, enter Horizon Worlds or Decentraland and go to Broadway and watch a show that's as realistic as you'd see it in real life. Do you think that's coming or do you think that is a pipe dream? And if that comes, do you think people will adopt that or they will reject it or they will do that half the time and go out into the real world and interact with technology that you're developing?